This is Up Your RPG, helping you up your role-playing game. In this episode, we're talking about something that almost all players and GMs deal with at some point, if not frequently, and that is finding inspiration for a character. It's a process that I personally really enjoy, and I'm super excited to discuss with today's panel. Let's get to it. All right, thanks for joining us. My name is Arthur. As always, I am here with Michael, and this week we are joined by Scott and Rick to talk about inspiration for characters. Michael, take us away. Yeah, so personally, I'm really excited about this episode because I uh, can't wait to hear where all your characters come from. And I think we'll get uh, started here with Rick, who uh, often comes up with some quite uh, unique characters that to present yeah i was wondering present. what you, word are you going to use to describe rick's characters <laughs> are we present, allowed to swear uh, on this show i can't remember <laughs> yes okay. that, that present uh challenges for some uh gms but anyway uh take it away rick uh tell us about where your inspiration comes from <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I'll probably break it down into what you're familiar with and what you're not familiar with. And I, I think that comes down to your, um, uh, your how relaxed you are uh, with the group and with the setting that you're in. Uh, so for Phil Donner, I, I mentioned this, I think, in a previous episode, but, you know, went from uh, feeling maybe a little unsure. So I wanted something that was a little more close to home and went with somebody with some medicine background, but with a twist. Um, and that way I sort of had a, a, a touchstone, a base on which to sort of use as uh, inspiration for, for that character's uh, thoughts and patterns, or, or maybe even just colloquialisms, right, that he would maybe have in day-to-day -day speech. Uh, and that, that helped sort of allow me to sort of ease into the dynamic of, of, um, of role-playing uh, from, from a place that I knew. Uh, conversely, uh, in the second season, I decided, you know, we haven't uh, we haven't sort of, we're in a new uh, uh, plane, right? New, new setting, uh, kind of an open open palette. And so I went with something that I thought, and I said, how, how can I sort of challenge myself? And so I initially actually thought of a, a minor, sort of somebody that, that would be uh, maybe a little more uh, familiar, kind of seeking out new area down in New Mexico. Um, and then I sort of said that that may not be, maybe that's too tropish. Uh, so I said, how can I put a twist on him, sort of somebody seeking maybe uh, resources or, or something new and novel. And I sort of said that time period sort of uh, was a lot of sort of discovery and a lot of sort of new things. And and I happened to be actually <laughs> passing by a, uh, a chicken stand and uh, decided uh, that that would actually be absolutely perfect. Uh, so this character comes that. from the fact that you are hungry? It came from me being actually, I think I was having like Peruvian chicken and I was like, oh man, but I couldn't do like a Kenny Rogers roaster, you know, in the 1940s. So I said, we're going to go with that. And then I sort of then thought to, uh, what's that, what's that movie with Michael Keaton where he's the McDonald's CEO or uh, this, the, the guy founder, right? And that sort of all in that sort of 1940s time setting you know, coming up with sort of the initial drive through. And I said, okay, well, maybe a, a franchise or somebody seeking sort of new territory kind of out, uh, trying to make a claim, uh, you know, um, putting it all out there, right? And doesn't really know where his his <laughs> his base is. 
uh, maybe he's sort of uh, a little bit of hyperbole in terms of how successful he is. And um, you can just sort of kind of craft from there and then sort of stumbles into this really unique and odd situation. And how do you sort of play just an everyman character in that sort of situation? And that's that's sort of how I took that. And it's been more challenging. I think it became more more comical, I think, just because of the premise, although it wasn't necessarily intended to be maybe as, I think, uh, poke you in the eye each episode. Uh, but uh, that that's so, sort of where that went. So not, I, I mean, not surprising that the, these are very kind of, these have historical rootings, the settings that we're in right now and the time periods. And uh, I think that's pretty fascinating to hear how kind of that informs your process of character there what about in the fantasy realms or places that don't have such a kind of concrete rooting in history where does your inspiration come from there yeah i mean i've played in several i've been dming sort of more often than than not now so that changes a little bit of your perspective in terms of just wanting more creativity sort of how can you push the bounds of the system and setting that you're in um and that's probably for my own sort of enjoyment right um, but the first character, I think the first character I ever made for D&D uh, was really off the walls. And so, um, no. again, really, yeah. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Rick made an off the wall character. <laughs> yep. Is this the blood St. Bernard? Thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, 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 so this, this is, this is actually pretty good. So I, I had no idea what D&D was, have never played, no tabletop role-playing experience, uh, you know, maybe board games and fantasy novels, right? Movies, but never actually dived into it. So I had no idea the dynamics. Uh, or any of the backstory. And so I said, okay, well, let, let me just start reading. So I started getting into it. And I said, well, I don't want to play maybe a cleric. That's too kind of cliche for somebody from a medicine background. Again, using sort of a, a basis on which I knew kind of going into a novel area, right? So same sort of maybe pattern with Phil. Um, and then I said, well, how can I put a twist on that? And so rather than like a cleric, uh, that would be sort of boring. I said, well, what's this? I sort of get into sort of the the, the mythos, right? Of sort of D&D and the no lore. No offense to any cleric lovers out there. Love the clerics. Love the clerics. No, all blunt, all blunt, no point. Um, I should have a shirt that says cleric lover. I'll wear it next time. Yeah, there you go. Um, and so I said, oh, the Blood Queen, like Vol. This is an interesting sort of bit of history and sort of went down this sort of like blood magic route, right? Not having any sort of background in D&D and sort of how all that works. And uh, and then developed sort of a blood of Vol sort of cleric who uses their own blood and the blood of others to sort of heal in a weird way. And so I had this St. Bernard style cask and it comes from sort of the history of them in terms of having these large casts. And that's how they sort of induct other individuals, I think, into their cult from the lore. So I had this sort of St. Bernard cask I would carry around and and I went to the first sort of player character. I think it was you, Art, um, actually. I, I, think, I think that was it. And I said, as we were introducing each other, I said, can I May, may I cut sort of your hand and sort of had him bleed into this cask and then sort of prayed over it overnight. And the rest of the group, I'm new to the group. They have no idea who I am. And I'm just random guy who comes into a normal sort of D&D fantasy setting, you know, cutting palms um, and, and doing something which now I realize is really weird. I mean, it was weird then. Now it's like, oh, that would be really weird if a random guy came in and did that to our group. Um, and so that... <laughs> That, that was really out of left field, but I think it was probably pretty maybe novel or different from anything you guys were sort of anticipating and hopefully in a weird but good and creative way. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I mean, you're still here eight years later, so. Sure. Fair point, right? Yeah, and so, yeah, But I think that's because we're scared he's going to cut us at some point. That's so. true. Yeah. I, that's that right. Initial <laughs> threat is stuck. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. right. And so, and so, but that the basis of that, right, bringing it full circle is that was a, a sort of, you know, going from somewhere where I knew, putting a twist in it, right? And so that's that whole same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And yeah, remind me to change his Zoom invite art. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> change the locks. <laughs> Scott, uh, art has somebody pretty particular I think he wants you to talk about in your inspiration and uh, art who is that that you yeah so when when I think about characters that are inspired in different ways uh, uh, Scott's long running um, D and d character I, I just I, that comes now. to my it's been years now and it, you didn't even remember no. that that's where it came from until I reminded you but it made but such a big impact is, on me that I, I remembered still do it. it yeah so yep so so we've got, we, we're in a D&D &D campaign and we've done, for a long time now, we've done D&D. &D. And it sounds like, Rick, you, you think sort of in depth about your characters and all of my characters, like I'm dicking around. Like I'm always looking for something that will be entertaining for me. I didn't realize that the one that was based on my dog was going to last for three years now. <laughs> so maybe not the smartest choice, but it, it's been ridiculously fun. So really, so the, the, the beginning of this is that we used to have a dog named Moby and he was just the sweetest black lab in the world, but he was just a stupid dog. He just, mm -hmm. even for a black lab, he was just not a very bright animal and black labs are not known to be smart. So this was the low end of the gene pool. And so we had our Moby voice. And so it's like, I don't know if other people do this. We've always done this. So if the dog has to go out, you'd be like, okay, I got to go outside now. And you just sort of come up with these voices. Like, I can't wait to get some dinner. And you know what I mean? You sort of come up with all of these different voices. Like I can't, where's the cat? I want to find the cat. And you just come up with these different voices for the dog. And we were, I was doing this and then it was time to come up with a character and I'm in the middle of doing a Moby thing talking and I'm like, that would actually be a good D and D character. So his name is Beagle. <laughs> I didn't want to do lab. Yep. Yes. His name is Beagle. So it's based on a dog. I tried to pick a name that was, so he's a hobbit or no, no, I get that's copyright. Sorry. Token. <laughs> um, he's a halfling. Um, and he's uh, a monk and he's his intelligence is like a seven <laughs> so mm -hmm. i totally used intelligence as the dumb stat and it's essentially based on moby the dog i'm gonna go and go climb this tree now because that's what i do and you know go go ahead rick are, are you kidding i i've been running this campaign <laughs> I had no idea. You didn't know that. And that explains so much. <laughs> like, it's so, and I, like, like Art said, I mean, this is, Art and I have been basically a couple for a very long time. Yeah. And so he remembers stuff that I forget. And so he's like, don't you remember why Beagle is what he is? And I'm like, no, I have no idea. And then once he jolted my memory, I'm like, yeah, I totally remember that it, it started out as a joke about poor Moby. And then not that long after Moby died, which is very sad. We miss him. Now we have a new dog, Molly, totally different voice. So uh, eventually cool. I'll have to have a new character with a Molly voice, I guess. Is that, is that why you bury all of your treasure in the game? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I'm also sniffing my crotch all the time. Yeah, and you mark uh, all the monsters. And everyone no else's. That's what I have to. Yeah. So, yeah. And what's what's funny is, so, like like I said, Beagle, Heather Toes started as a complete joke. Although he's been an amazingly fun character. Like, I play him like a dog, right? Like, he's he's simple. He's loyal. He He, you know, he used to just sort of look for things that were evil versus not evil. 
Like he's just got a very black and white kind of dog-esque view of the world. So I've actually tried to personify that beginning. So it's not just that that's how he started. It's that that's how I play him. Um, whereas with Kali in the current, uh, you know, that's D&D now going to Call of Cthulhu. Um, Kali, I really thought about like as a different kind of character because I realized I've been playing so many Joe characters. I wanted to do something different and play a really sincere character. Thank goodness. So, mm-hmm. Yep. I wanted to play someone that I'm hoping, and I know it's not possible because Michael, you're a sociopath, but I'm hoping for a character that you feel bad when you kill him. Like just some hint of morality, some slight sign that you have some emotional awareness that you're doing a bad thing. I don't think it's possible, so we'll see. But yeah, good luck with Cully that. Is, Cully is just this wonderful, he's a 15-year-old. I, I He's got a trauma history that comes through in various ways in the game. He sort of had invested himself in, you know, I invested in him. You know, I've got some challenges in my history and I sort of put a little bit of that in there. So he's got a grown-up that he looks up to Obviously, Michael gleefully killed that grown up off. Um, but, you know, he'd sort of looked, he had a substitute family because his family wasn't safe. His home wasn't safe. And his life sort of had been moving in a different direction based on the presence of this person. And so I'm playing Culligan with that kind of emotional import because to my mind, like it's, it's so different than D&D where it's just, you know, to my mind, it's just screwing around and having fun with Call of Cthulhu. I feel like there's actually morality. There's there's real choices that we're making as characters in a way that never it doesn't seem like it's there, maybe because of the fantasy setting. So I really tried to make Kali be resonant for me with this is someone who has a deeply troubled background and he was looking for a way through it. And so he he wound up with a trusted adult. And now that trusted adult is gone. And, so, and this week's episode that we're about to record is going to be really difficult for Cully, too, yeah. because, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, especially we didn't have his reaction last week. Uh, yeah. So yeah. could have been escorted out. I still think uh, one thing that I really enjoy hearing about Beagle, though, is a character that at first uh, could seem very two dimensional. Right. Um, it, w- seeing things in that black and white but uh, since you have this whole system of boundaries that and rules that you've used with the dog to define him, even talking about the loyalty traits and those kinds mm-hmm. of things, really brings some dimension into the character and gives you a way to play him, even when things might seem uh, more direct. And I, I do want to move along, give Art a chance um, before we run out of time here, but because uh, Art's been... I, probably since we've started this process and i think back to savage worlds which is kind of when i jumped in with y'all uh and the characters you you created then i know you kind of just relish this process of creating them and so i'd like to hear where your inspiration comes from yeah so before i get started with me i just want to point out that uh that scott's character beagle in the D campaign in watching him develop over the years that we've been playing i think he has more soul than any other character that's been in that campaign um because you've added to him as you've gone you know he started as this yeah. sort of joke character but you've given him life throughout the campaign absolutely uh, well, like, which is what to me is so great about uh, role he's playing. turned into a lawful good so he went from chaotic to lawful good mm-hmm. and but the law is his own yeah right so he's he's reached the stage of self self-actualization 
So he's, he's at the point where he has defined a moral code that is distinct to him. And those laws are immutable for him, but those laws have nothing to do with the laws of the land. So yeah, he's a, he's a fascinating character. I'm going to miss him. Yep. Yeah, and I yeah. think, I think running that character, I've actually, that, that he's grown to the point where he's almost beyond those basic two dimensional features. Right. I mean, I don't see him in that sort of origin yeah. story now at this point. It's, yeah. it's, it's great. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I, I, I've drawn, uh, so I kill a lot of characters off. I, I just, the way I play, I, I tend to die more than, <laughs> my characters tend to die more than most. Uh, so I, I've drawn inspiration from movies, from books, from TV shows. Um, I, I created a character from an accent uh, that I wanted to do. Um, and all with different degrees of success. Um, but I, I think the one that Michael was referring to was probably my most fun character um but as i'm thinking back on it, uh, it? had a ceiling uh, so i made a character based on ang from the last oh, oh, airbender yeah. I remember. um and it, he was super fun to play because i behaved like a super hyperactive kid and he had this sort of monk thing and was um uh, was trained by um uh, who he called sifu and I went and found all of these sort of tropish sayings and had a sheet of all these sayings. And when appropriate, I would say, well, Sifu says blah, 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 you know, just some goofy saying. And he would talk incessantly whenever given an opportunity, which drove everybody at the table crazy and was endlessly entertaining for me. Uh, but in thinking back on it, that was pretty much as far as he could go uh, because I was using sort of a gimmick to create the character. Uh, there wasn't a lot of growth uh, or a lot of depth. Whereas um, the character that I created in, in one of our early Call of Cthulhu uh, sort of one shots, who I actually created based on an accent and um, a one-liner that I wanted to throw out, oddly based on a disc golfer. Um, it, it was this sort of Southern rednecky guy um, who regularly yells, roll tide. Um, and has a deep Southern accent and is sort of this jockey dude. But through the through the the campaign, he was allowed to grow, and his backstory sort of came to me as we played. So I, I, my thought uh, on the process is, I, I would advise people to to find whatever that inspiration is, whether it's your dog or whether it's the you know the the blood magic that you want to mess with or whatever that thing is that inspires you, but like we talked about in last episode, leave room for the character to grow as you move through the campaign. Because to me, that's where the real magic happens is when you can create this depth in this, this character that you're playing. And I, again, I just asked one question, I guess, of the other two, yeah. do you guys in the current campaign each have a, some sort of trauma in your character's background? Um, Cause my sense so far is that all of us do. Uh, we don't know that I think as characters, and I think that's sort of a very distinct thing than, any of the other sort of role-playing that I've sort of done in terms of Call of Cthulhu versus sort of Dungeons and Dragons, right? Or some of these other uh, Savage Worlds. I mean, that's yeah, sort I mean, of another I think layer. That's what, yeah. that's what binds Joe and Kali together, right? Is that there? There's a, there's a shared history there of just, there's been a lot of bad stuff and they found, you know, I don't think there's anything rem remotely re romantic about them, but they're just, they found sort of that, again, that found family concept in each other. And I think it definitely comes from that trauma history. 
Yeah, and just to, to fill in, uh, and I'll answer your question, but the, the, the characters that we're talking about is in our Under the Library uh, podcast, our Call of Cthulhu campaign, for those who don't know already. Um, so, yeah, uh, Franny has not revealed um, a trauma, and it's not necessarily a trauma, but it's it's sort of a, a hole in her past um, that she's trying to fill in the gaps of. Um, so it's not necessarily a trauma that's happened, but it, it's a piece mm. of her history that she's missing. Um, and, and that really motivates how she's moving forward in the campaign. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I yeah. read, uh, are, with some of your characters, uh, especially like thinking back where the ones that have a ceiling or I, I guess any of y'all, when you think about mm-hmm. kind of the ceiling for a character, are there times where those fun characters that you just want to play, but maybe not play long? Do you ever kind of come up with the inspiration that like, I'd love to play this one for a few weeks and then like, you know, go off into a glorious kind of Viking style death or uh, any, any of that kind of ever play into how you're inspired by that character. Yeah. And that was actually in, in some notes that I had here ta- in talking about this, uh, my one probably biggest fail in creating a character. I was super inspired years ago when I first read uh, the game of Thrones series uh, in one of the books, they really get into uh, Brienne of Tarth and um, her backstory and how she relates to people now. And I was super inspired by that character. I was, she's one of my favorite characters in the series. And I was like, oh my God, I got to play a paladin based on Brienne. And it was just an abject failure because that character is so fleshed out in the books. And I knew that character so well and it just seemed weird to try and remake the character in D&D. So I really just had this sort of big, strong paladin who didn't really have any any challenge, any goal uh, as it related to the campaign we were in. So it wound up being just an abject flop. Um, and I think that that goes back to my philosophy of now, after doing this so long, uh, of having something that can fit into your campaign, but then leaving parts open. That one just didn't have anything open. Uh, it didn't have anywhere to go. Uh, and I, I didn't know that at the time. Uh, I, I didn't yeah, really I mean, realize it until this process of looking back at when is when have I really messed up. Yeah, yeah. that's great. One of the things I've learned just really quickly, Michael, is the one time I tried a min-max kind of character because it was we were just sort of learning and I, I just tried to min-max and I didn't care about the character. And I played him once or twice and I was like, what the hell am I doing? This sucks. Like, I don't like, cause for me, the point of the game is the role playing and creating something interesting in the collaborative storytelling. So I don't give a shit about a character that can do more damage or, versus other characters or, mm-hmm. or, or is, is optimized. That's irrelevant to me. So one of the learnings for me is that I'm never going to do that again. I'm always going to be sort of character driven. Yeah, and I I think that's what kind of sets this week's episode apart from last week's episode, because last week we were exploring, right, like how to not box yourself in and leave yourself open. And, um, you know, your inspiration can, in effect, I think that's a good thing to take away from this week's episode, right? Your inspiration, like the Brianna Tarth kind of inspired character, can close off all of those abilities to really explore the character and and flesh it out as you as you play along that's going to put a wrap on this week's session of up your RPG. 
thanks for joining us. You can always visit us at upyourrpg.com and hopefully we've contributed to your game. Now go find a table. Mm-hmm.